In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Surprised to see an empty seat at the Super Bowl stadium, a diehard fan remarked about it to a woman who was sitting nearby. She said, it was my husband's, but he died. He said, I'm very sorry to hear this, yet I'm really surprised that another relative or friend didn't jump at the chance to take this very special seat reserved for him. And she said, beats me, they all insisted on going to the funeral. (laughs) I love it. It really begs the question, when you think about it, what is most important in life? What is most important to you? There are many who will be sitting in those stadiums today and other places. They were there yesterday and at other places looking for something that is lasting and it's but a fleeting moment in search of something eternal. And as much as I love football, NC State football, Go Wolfpack, go Wolfpack. This isn't it. This morning we get a glimpse of what it means to be a part of and follow a movement that is bigger than us. To place trust in a new direction. As we just heard in Exodus, the Israelites are beginning to complain to Moses and Aaron. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And so Moses, their reluctant leader, who is trying to come to terms with his new role, hears the promise from the Lord of bread in the morning and meat by night. And he and Aaron together essentially prophesy to the people about this provision. Look, the Lord will provide. Trust. Believe. And they saw the glory, we are told. But did they really believe? Did they really believe what they saw after all the complaining? Because in the next chapter, chapter 17, which will be In next week's Genesis reading, the complaining continues. And finally, Moses cries out to the Lord. He said, what shall I do with this people? They're about to stone me. Many of us at some point or another have found ourselves making important decisions that affect others. And perhaps even leading a group of people. After all, leaders need followers, followers followers need leaders. But as so often happens, good leaders come to recognize their own inadequacies and ultimately find themselves turning to something that will lift them to the challenge. 
to guide their people home. That was Moses. And Moses cries out to God for help in this and in subsequent chapters. And what happens? What happens time and again? They grumble. <laughs> yes. But the Lord provides. The Lord provides time and again. For He is always there. Even amongst the complaining and the testing of the Lord, Moses was assured that yes, in fact, the Lord is always there. Always present. And this, my friends, is a key point for you and me as we begin our journey together here at this beautiful All Saints Church, Chevy Chase in the Diocese of Washington. It is a blessing to be here. And no matter the challenges, no matter the successes or joys, the sorrows, the thanksgivings that we will pass through together, every single one of us together, God is always present. The Lord is always in our midst. In the midst of our community. Moving. Acting. Alive in every second. You can feel it this morning as we gather, and as we sing, as we pray. Moving even as we sit here this morning and we gather to worship. Not some God that we bring to life when it is convenient. And so it goes without saying, it truly does, that it is an honor and a privilege to serve as your rector. I am filled with hope. And I'm tired. <laughs> Already. <laughs> but I'm filled with hope because it is an honor and it is a privilege and a joy to serve this ever-living God who moves even now with you together. And I give great thanks, and I know you all do too, to your clergy, to the staff and the vestry of this parish. They have done a remarkable job. There are three examples I want to give you this morning that, set, that are set before us in today's Exodus reading. You may not remember them, but I'm going to do my best to make sure that they're seared into your mind. But they make us want to be, and they tell us why we want to be, a part of a lasting, purposeful movement. And I believe that they set up for us the conditions of a miracle. First, there is the eye that sees. Certainly Moses could have failed as the leader. It would have been so easy for him to have bought into the chaos and the confusion, and in this situation, one can lose sight of the end point. We've all been there. We know what it's like to be caught up in that chaos. Yet Moses had the eye to see that this was a moment where he must trust in his abilities, even though he questioned, he said, who, me? To lead these people? 
but he trusted in his abilities. And most importantly, he allowed God to give him vision to understand this moment, this pivotal moment. The point is that the world is full of miracles. Full of miracles. Happening all the time around us. But they can go unseen, unseen except for the eye that sees. And oftentimes we need each other to see the miracles that are happening all the time. And together we're able to see those. Together, when we're not able to see them ourselves, others help us. The eye that sees. Even our own personal shortcomings. I know this firsthand. Second, there is the Spirit that will make an effort. As tired as Moses was, he was still there to make this effort, to find a way to care for his people. Moses did not throw in the towel. And it seems that one of the tragedies of life is that you and I are prone to throw the towel in one effort too soon. It's part of our human condition. When we are called to give that extra effort, one more try, something that will inspire us to make that effort. And if you will, on this football Sunday, it's that extra tackle that prevents the touchdown. Third, there is the Spirit which will attempt what seems hopeless. Moses searches for help. He reaches out to the Lord. He recognizes that it's a dire situation. He cries out. He knows that they're about to stone him. And you see, it would have been so easy for him to have just raised his hands up in the air and reject his position. But he couldn't. And he knew it because he knew very well that God had chosen him to lead these folks out of Egypt into the desert toward the promised land. Moses was trusting in God because he himself experienced the impossible and knew nothing was hopeless. Nothing. The biblical commentator William Barclay says if we want a miracle, we must take Jesus at His Word when He bids us attempt the impossible. We must take Him at His Word. And we so often fail when it comes to this. I'm sure each of you can remember a time when you were asked to face the impossible. Sometimes it's not until we find ourselves in challenging times that we recognize the need for something more. That we recognize the need for something to lift us up to the challenge. To pray to God that these walls, these barriers may be broken down so we would have the courage and the strength to attempt the impossible. To find that hope. Over the past weeks, my wife Susie and our kids, and they're right about there, I see them, 
You'll see them soon enough. <laughs> move, to Ra move from Raleigh, North Carolina to Chevy Chase. We moved in several waves. Usually in the past, we, when we have moved, it's been one big move. But we moved in waves. And I now know, and I'll just tell you with 100% certainty, we have way too much stuff. <laughs> way too much. And those of you who've been over to the rectory, you can recognize that. You'll see it. There are boxes everywhere. It's unbelievable. As the moving trucks left our home, our youngest, Eliza, began high school at BCC. Our oldest daughter, Caroline, who is not here with us today, she is halfway through college in Wilmington, North Carolina. And then our oldest twin boys, Henry and Jonah, sitting right there, and they're looking for jobs. <laughs> we are so grateful for their presence in so many ways, not the least of which, strong young men to help with the move. <laughs> And I cannot forget the four, and I'm, it's unbelievable, the four senior citizen dogs. That's a story for another day. <laughs> but I must say I had the better part of the deal. Peace and quiet. I stayed behind in North Carolina while I was finishing up my work there and finishing up a little bit of the packing and preparing to be here with you all. And then last Sunday, I drove up later in the day. I drove up I-95, <laughs> that glorious drive. <laughs> and I looked out the window, and I was able to do this, believe it or not, on I-95, which is a difficult challenge these days. And I saw a group of geese flying in a V formation. And I guess they were moving south with the potential change of the season. Have you ever wondered why they fly in such a unique pattern? Well, I did a little research. As it turns out, two engineers some time ago calibrated in a wind tunnel why geese fly in a V formation. Each goose Flapping its wings creates uplift for the goose that follows. And the whole flock gains 71% greater flying range than if they journeyed alone. You can't do it alone. That's why the leader of the V formation falls back periodically to let another leader take the point. And why the rest stay in line. It's challenging to be a leader. But even in a flock of geese, leadership is a shared responsibility. When a goose falls out of formation, it suddenly feels the drag and the resistance of trying to go it alone and quickly gets back into the formation to take advantage of the lifting power of the bird in front. And when the head goose gets tired, it will rotate back in the wing and another goose flies point while the head goose maintains its role. And interestingly, and I, I love this part, 
The geese that honk are the ones in the back. And they honk because they're trying to encourage those who are up front to keep up their speed. A good friend of mine posed this question to me on Friday. He said, but why does the V formation have one side that's longer than the other? Have you ever noticed that? One side is longer than the other. Well, I researched that too. <laughs> Turns out they don't fly directly into the wind. Rather, they take an angle of approach that allows the longer side of the flock to handle the downwind. In other words, that side takes the hit for the team. Someone has to. Finally, and I believe this is most important of it all, when a goose gets sick or is wounded and falls out of formation, two other geese will fall out with that goose and follow it down to lend help and protection. And they stay with that fallen goose until it is able to fly or until it dies. And then and only then do they launch out on their own with another formation to catch up with their group, their family. And so just the same for us. For at one time or another in life, you, me, we are called to take the point. And to me, it sums up our Christian family. Who we are as a family and what we are about in following our leader, Jesus. The Christ. The head of the church. And in reality, we know that following Jesus is serious business. There's nothing easy about it. It means carrying the cross. And in the difficulties, we recognize the need for uplift. The need for uplift through the eyes that see. The Spirit that will make an effort. And the Spirit that will attempt the impossible when at times it seems hopeless. And through the reality of seeing and making the effort and attempting the impossible, therein lies the miracle. And it's happening right now. It's faith. It is you and me, the Christian community, gathering together and the presence of the Lord is here amongst us. And it is in front of us and it is all around us, past, present, future, giving us uplift through our presence together with each other. Jesus is in our midst. And the great news for us is that just like Moses, we are called to follow the Lord. To follow Jesus. And Jesus is fully sufficient. Fully sufficient for you and me. He is a leader like no other that will never leave always bidding us to attempt the impossible when it may seem hopeless at times. And I believe a sign of a great leader is when followers themselves become leaders 
And you have so clearly demonstrated that here in this parish. Faithful dedication to who you are. And this is my hope and my vision for all saints as we move forward together and its great future. What we can do together. So spread your wings with me. You like that analogy? Spread your wings. Prepare to take the point position when called upon. Because we will continue to put Jesus Christ first and above all things and follow Him. And when in the course of the journey we find ourselves back in that formation, let us honk gently. (laughs) But boldly, from behind, and let us continue to encourage one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a true blessing to be here with you. Amen. Amen.